Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about racing. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, what's happening? Hey, how's it going? It's all good. It's all good. Oh, man. A lot to discuss about. A lot to discuss about. Yep, yep. Yeah, Louise is very heated over a baseball game, but we'll try to save that for our baseball podcast on another day. But uh, pretty, pretty big weekend in racing. We had an elimination round there at the Roval in Charlotte and Formula One uh, out in Japan, where we have decided the championship for good, we think, uh, <laughs> for this year. So where do you guys want to start? You want to start in Charlotte or do you want to start in Japan? Let's start in Charlotte. Go on. Let's, start, right, let's Charlotte. start in Charlotte. And Richard, I know you spent your weekend there at the track. Um, I did, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, I've not been there to race on the Roval, but uh, from what you were telling me, uh, it sounds like you had a good time. Uh, and, and you were yep. telling you were telling me that, uh, you know, where it looks rather flat on television, there's actually really a good amount of uh, elevation oh, yeah. change in there. And you actually had a chance to drive the track, uh, which, yep. I, which I find to be exciting. So, uh yeah, 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 good, good weekend overall. Lots of uh, playoff drama. Uh, we mm-hmm. had, you know, we had guys in and out and back in and, and back out uh, towards the end there. At the end of the day, it was Christopher Bell who made just the right call to grab some fresh tires when a couple guys ahead of him didn't and, and snuck out the win, won his way out of the playoffs, pushing uh, Austin Cindric and Kyle Larson out. Yeah, no, uh, it was it was a pretty eventful. Well, the last five or ten laps were pretty eventful. The the previous, uh, you know, nine to however many it was were uh, pretty 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 tough going, unfortunately. But uh, no, you're right. It was a an eventful weekend, and uh, you know we, we've knocked it down to a top eight. Um, yeah, no, I was very lucky there. Uh, I got an opportunity to be involved in the uh, driver parade and the driver introductions, driving one of the. Uh, New Toyota Tundra trucks, uh, beautiful vehicle they are around the track with, um, we, we got, uh, you know, on a, a bit of a random draw, we got Bubba Wallace and Martin Trucks Jr. as the two drivers that I was uh, chaperoning around the track pre-race, but that was, uh, that was a great opportunity and great fun to do that. Very, very lucky to do. And yeah, you know, you, you think of the Roval, the, the infield of the Roval is going to be flat as a, the proverbial pancake, but it, uh, no, it has quite a quite a nice eleva- elevation change to it in there. Um, you know, the exit of turn one, that little left hander, 
um, you know, as it comes back onto the, uh, you know, onto the infield, there's a big drop off there. A lot of, a uh, lot of um, undulation there. Um, pretty aggressive. And then um, there was, uh, I think it's turn five into turn six. Turn five, the right-hander, um, you know, a blind right-hander uh, over a crest down into turn, yeah, five into six was, uh, yeah, that was uh, pretty, ooh, wow, you know. Somebody has a moment on the exit and uh, straddles the circuit there. You're not, you don't have much chance to uh, to avoid them. So very, uh, you know, very impressed with the amount of elevation they've managed to create on the infield. But uh, on the whole, you know, pretty good crowd, really supportive of the drivers. Um, you know, it's really good to see. Um, wasn't the biggest crowd in the world, I don't think. Uh, it'd be nice to see a few more people, but on the whole, no, it was good. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it was the, the first first two or three. Well, first two stages were pretty processional, um, and then we got into the third stage, and that's when uh, um, all all hell broke loose as I was driving home because we left early. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of odd for it to go that long, caution free, the first whole two stages because usually, yeah. you know, usually we have some. Some, you know, especially on the road courses in NASCAR race, we've got some, you know, bumping and banging and, and guys getting into one another. But uh, well, I think it was partly yeah. that everybody knew what they needed to do from a points perspective. Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, there was very, very little risk taking there. Obviously, guys like Joey, you know, go out there, win the first stage, get the points, bank those. He's good. Um, you know, which was because he was fast in that first stage when he stayed out. Everybody else short pitted before the uh, end of the first stage caution. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had a quick car. I don't know where he finished, but for a long period of that uh, second, second, um, second sector, um, second stage, he was running around about twentieth to twenty fifth, which certainly wasn't his pace, should we say? But uh, yeah, no, good, uh, good, good, good race on the whole, and a few nice strategy calls there with short pitting and the like, but. Uh, yeah, it all got a little bit messy at the end there. You, you know, you look, you look like Chase Elliott's, uh, you know, locked in for the win, you know, as he tends to do on these road courses. At times, Tyler Reddick's up there giving a good race again, you know, and AJ as well, who won, AJ Allmendinger won the Xfinity race on Saturday. Um, now he's he's now won four Xfinity races in a row at uh, the Roval, which is pretty, pretty impressive stat there for AJ Allmendinger. Um but uh, you know, it, it was it was good, and you know, it was some good racing, and you know, you think that, and then, of course, you know, you get the you know, the debris caution for that piece of signage that was on, you know, on the apex of turn five there, uh, and then you have a few more guys coming in, you know, contact with each other. It's all starting to get a little bit clumsy, and then um, you know, a couple of tire strategies there, a couple of tire calls, and uh, you know, next thing you know, Christopher Bell's there out in the lead, and you know, he had to had to go for that Hail Mary and uh, you know he he you know it was a walk-off victory um and you know if you're going to do it do it properly and uh, talking to some of the um uh, Toyota and uh, TRD executives in the last couple of days a lot of them had already left the track as well and had to do a quick U-turn to get back for the victory celebration but uh it's all good fun yeah, yeah. I mean, Bell was in a situation where the his only his only route into the next round of the playoffs at that point was to win that race. Uh, yeah. Is either win, win, or or eliminate. He didn't didn't have the points to be above the cut line. So, but to, let's talk about who is, uh, who are the remaining eight drivers. So starting at the top, we've got Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, 
and Chase Briscoe are the round of eight. Eliminated in this round, Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Austin Cedric, and then uh, Alex Bowman, who did not participate uh, after having a suffering concussion injuries uh, recently. So, uh, so that's where we're at. Um, Louise, uh, we were talking the other day. It still doesn't look like we have a clear cut favorite for this champion. Ship yet, although Chase Elliott seems to remain at or near top of the standings week in, week out. Yeah, at this point, I don't think there's a true definitive favor. I know I mentioned Logano has been the more consistent at this yeah, point. How's he though? I mean, post Darlington, I think he's had like one top 10 or something. Yeah, and so then he he's struggled a little bit these last few weeks. Yeah, and then we could say the same thing about Bell as well until he got that yeah. win. So at this moment, it's really I came to the point as he said nobody's really standing out with Larson out of the picture and the driver's side of things. The owners is a completely different story that we'll discuss some other time. But there's none. If if we see the Christopher Bell from the opening round and this and this one coming up in the round of eight, maybe you could make a decent case for him. But right now. I, I don't have a clear-cut favorite anymore for the cup title. There's if, some... you look at, if you look at form, I think, you, you know, Christopher Bell, he's had four top tens, or four, sorry, four top fives in the six playoff races. So he's probably the the form guy, if you like. You know, Chase has had two. Lugano's had, you know, one after Darlington. Uh, you know, so I think there's a lot of consistency going on there, and I think, Probably Bell's been the most consistent, even though he, you know, he had a bad Texas race. He had to win at Charlotte, so you know that uh, that sort of skewed his numbers a little bit. But um, yeah, there's there's nobody that you look is, you know, constantly up there on pace, you know, in every race. Never mind their actual finishing positions. No, and, and the thing with with Bell, the, just the momentum of you know pulling that win out when he needed to. That that is such a boost for the team. That gives them such a boost of confidence and and uh, you know a, a really good feeling going into the the next round. There, so you got to watch out for Bell because you know there, there's something to be said for for momentum and and you know when you feel like everything is kind of going your way, uh, you know that's that that team's got to feel uh, tremendous coming out of this weekend having pulled that off. So uh, yeah, those those guys are going to be tough to beat. Yeah, it's going to be. The, like I said, with, let's see which ones will show up. We're going to see the round of 16 bell or round of 12 bell prior to the Robo. And if it's the round of 16 bell, I think you could steal this one, to be honest with you. I mean, is he really stealing it if nobody's running away with it? Think about it. You know I what think, I mean? Like a, it's, I, think it's, if, I think it's anybody's for the taking right now, or any of, yeah. those, any of those eight guys. And the reason sure. why I say steal, because I don't think anybody expected Bell to be this good in the playoffs. I get it, your playoffs is where you want to shine the most, but when you look at the regular season, aside from the Loudon win, which has he stood out? Not really. Yeah, and if you look at some of the guys that are out of this thing, you know what I mean? Like like Truex, who's a you know didn't, didn't did, even make did, it didn't make, didn't make the playoffs, but he's been a perennial uh, Final Four guy. Harvick uh, eliminated. Uh, you no, know, we've got Kyle Larson now eliminated. Kyle Busch is eliminated. You got a lot of your a lot of your top guys are now not fighting for this thing. So it really opens it up for somebody like a Christopher Bell or even a dare I say a Ross Chastain to uh, become a Cup champion. 
Yeah, and it would be a long time coming. For, and when you really think about it, if Bell were to pull it off and Larson winning the year before, you could say that the two competitive racers in, on dirt were able to pull it off in the top level of asphalt racing. Indeed, yep. So, all right. So we had an Xfinity race there as well, which uh, uh, we already mentioned that uh, that was uh, Almendinger. Uh, again, yep. who's uh, he's just yeah he just you 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 know on a road course uh, you can never count AJ out. The guy is just so uh, head and shoulders above uh, most of the other guys out there uh, on the road courses there, and especially when he's against the Xfinity field. But he was he was really good in the Cup field as well. There he almost pulled that win off too. He was right up there near. He the led a, so, he led a number of laps, didn't he, in the abs- college Cup? Absolutely, guy, yeah, yeah. 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 So then, of course, we had some of our uh, IndyCar was making a big deal about some uh, part-time and full-time IndyCar drivers running in the race. Here we had uh, it, it both the Xfinity and the Cup race. Uh, I want to say Marco Andretti and Sage Karam were in the Xfinity race. I mean, neither set the world on fire. I think Marco finished next to last. Yeah, uh, taken DN- out early. Yeah, he DNF'd. And then I, I want to say Sage had a more of a decent day. Might have come home my like 18th or 20th. I don't have it right in front of me. And then the other one was, I think, Connor Daly started in the cup race mm-hmm. and he finished like 34th or something. Yeah, his day something, nothing, nothing, well. yeah, nothing to write home about for those guys, but uh, what a good experience to them. And then we had, you know, our, our favorite Russian guy from Formula One running NASCAR, Daniel Kvyat, ran both races, did a little, did a little better in the, um, uh, Xfinity did than he did in the cup race. But again, good experience for a guy who wants to try to get into getting into NASCAR full time. And, and being that he's a Russian driver, he, he may be, uh, you know, give Bubba Wallace a break from the hate. No. You know, and then they start, this people start hating on the Russian I still, guy. I, I, I still don't, don't know. know about that yet. I don't time know. will tell. Uh, as, as, uh, as long as as yeah. long as I've been on this planet, we've been fighting the Russians over something. So, I, but I'll yeah, tell you, Kvyat's, as uh, we have enough money back behind him to sure, uh, make sure, a run as, next year. Yeah, but as as a driver, Kvyat's it's a guy I like. I do so. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Talking to a lot of the engineers that've been working with him and seeing some of the data that's come up, him he um he's quick. You know, he gets the car. He understands it. I mean, the so the um. Xfinity race that he ran at the Roval last weekend was the first time in his racing career he's driven a H-pattern gearbox, which is pretty incredible, um, you know, when you put that into context. But, uh, yeah, it's the first time he's uh, he's driven a box with a, with a H-pattern in there. So, Even in, uh, in, in a road car or anything? Or just racing? In a race car. Okay, race all right. Car. I was going to say, that would be highly unusual if you'd never had driven one at all, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, but you figure a lot of the single seaters he's running, a lot of those guys have the sequential boxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he did well for his part. Uh, you know what I yep. mean? No, 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 very well. I mean, I think his his pace probably belied his actual result. I think he had a little bit more to it than uh, than what he showed uh, in terms of overall pace. Oh, yeah, I agree, yep. Yeah, I think he looked, looked better than Kimmy did when Kimmy was doing the – where was where was Kimmy running Road America? Um, or, no, or, or, Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so we're off to Vegas next. So we've got the first of the round of eight non-elimination round, but still important for these guys near the bottom of the eight to try to maybe notch a win 
and uh, so they can just focus on the final four. So, uh, I mean, Louise, who do you like for Vegas? I think, well, one of the catalysts is likely gone, who won the spring race, so that's Alex Bowman. But I feel like you're going to go through the Gibbs cars at Vegas, to be honest. And I feel like this could be a Denny Hamlin kind of a day where he punches his ticket to the championship four. And who and because something tells me in a way, and I've seen some people feeling oh that way a tiny bit. This this if things go well in this round, if he plays the cards right, and all intents and purposes, Hamlet could be a dark horse to actually win the darn thing. And I feel like it starts at Vegas. I don't even know that I would classify Hamlin as a dark horse. I I'd say he's uh he's got a goodest chance as anybody else there. And and again, here's a guy. Who who is well overdue for championship? You know he he's he's won all the majors. He won you know multiple times. <laughs> you know multiple uh, Daytona 500 winner. Um, and here's a guy who's just won a ton of races. Just you know just got the whole Mark Martin thing going on. Never did never did nail down a championship or the whole Elio Castro Nevis syndrome. But uh, yeah. this certainly could, all, certainly could be his year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but the we say that why I say we say about, about Denny every year. Yeah, the only reason why I say dark horse is because you still have a couple drivers still in the mix. Even the ones that are out that could probably go out there and swing. Like I mentioned, Kyle Larson. For all we know, he could take this as motivation and rack up some wins. I mean, Tyler Reddick did it at Texas, albeit there were some factors into that. But Reddick had a strong car at Texas the both times they ran All-Star Open and the race itself this past month. So I feel like... I still think some non-playoff drivers are going to be favorable, but in terms of those who are still in the hunt, I feel like Hamlin has to go chance at Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would uh, tend to agree with you there. So as far as Vegas, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's going to be one of the Gibbs cars. Um, but I, you know, I almost want to say bell goes back to back, you know, and just, uh, continues that momentum, but the, the, yeah, you're also looking at uh, Truex, who's still sitting winless, you know, and, and you know, he's, he's itching to at least to not to win this year. So, so yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick with bell though. Say bell goes back to back um, and, 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 you know, goes right on to the, to the final four and then uh, see how we go from there. So, all right, and Richard, you'll abstain from picking, I'm sure, yep. right? All right, so <laughs> so let's talk about some of the off-track news. So the big hot story is that uh, uh, 23XI will be announcing within the next couple of days uh, that they're going to go ahead and uh, put Riddick in that car. Uh, Kurt, Bish, Kurt Bush will likely be retiring. That'll put uh, Ty Gibbs most likely um, on the uh, full-time Gibbs team. Um, in place of Kyle Busch, so that I mean that that frees up Richard Childers from trying to figure out something to do with with Reddick for a year because he said he had him contracted to drive. So if he gets a you know um, you know twenty three xi buys him out of that contract, I mean it gets him it gets him where he needs to go. That's his destination in twenty twenty four anyway. I'd go ahead and start that relationship there. Uh, Kurt Busch, yeah, I mean. They say he wants to do another race. We'll just have to see how that plays out. But uh, I, even if even if he doesn't race again, Kurt's had a wonderful career, and I I hate I hate to see anybody go out like this when they're not necessarily going out on their own terms. But it's probably the best for him 
and his health and his family. For for sure, it'll be it'll be beneficial for Curtin in the long run because I feel like he's still got some stuff to contribute outside of him behind the wheel. I mean, from all intents and purposes, I've heard good things about him in the commentary side of things in the truck series when he's not talking about cookies, uh, Bristol dirt. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of former drivers out there who work in some capacity or another as a spotter or as a driver's coach or as a strategy coach. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, um, plenty of opportunity for him to stay within the sport, just not behind the wheel, you know, and, and again, as you mentioned the broadcasting, plenty of guys have gone into the broadcasting and there's also, you know, he, you know, he could, he could, you know, buy into a team at some point in time and, and become an owner. So there's, there's a lot of things he could do to stay in the sport uh, that, that won't risk his health as, as much as getting back in the car. So, cause I always say, you know, I always, I think you, I think being a team owner is pretty bad for your health at times. Probably, you know, probably just yeah, in in a, in a different way. But I always, you know, whenever we see these sort of things, I always go back to Neil Bonnet, um, who uh, you know he died back in the nineties, but he had a, a couple of really hard hits, and his doctors told him another really hard hit like that. And it, it could kill you. Right. But he could not resist the temptation to stay out of the car. And here's a guy who had a pretty good career. He was working in broadcasting. He had his own television show uh, that would come on every Sunday morning on the TNT network. Um, and it was called winners with Neil Bonner. And he would interview, you know, uh, every every week he would feature a different driver and just have just have a good old conversation sitting in sitting in his backyard and he used to love watching that show but it always just you know when I think about the fact that his doctors warned him and he still got back in the car and exactly what they said what happened happened so that's uh, you know I always think about that when when people think about how how tough it is to walk away from the sport I mean. I it's, mean, look, it's even it's even tougher with if you're gone from this planet, you know? Yeah. Look, um, I mean, there's stories out there that, what was it, Dale Jarrett, Rusty Wallace has had a hard time adapting into retirement life. Like this was I think this said there's a piece out there that I recall that Rusty Wallace, when he left, he felt like he left a little too early because he basically left. I'll be in. He left at having probably one of his better seasons of the 2000s. He had had like a superb season in quite some time yeah he didn't win in his final year but he was strongly consistent he and all that stuff but i think he realized though one of the few he that realized over time that maybe retirement was okay it just took him a minute to act right. and there's a smart martin that took a couple of times and then when he finally called it for good he stuck to it and he just wants nothing to do with racing in terms of being behind the wheel again doesn't matter if it's srx or vice versa he's content with where he is right now yeah, you've got you got a number of guys that like to like Gordon John Cock. He won't even talk about racing with you. You know what I mean? He'll he'll talk about lumber all day long if if you if you get <laughs> going on that yeah. subject because that's that's what he does now. So he yeah, runs, unless runs you're Steve Snug, yeah. unless you're Steve Snug, otherwise yeah, yeah. this is true. Exactly. Yeah. So and then you got like like I was somebody was talking about. Um, Sam Hornish Jr. the other day, right? And it's all I, you know, because Sam is actually not that old. Yeah, I think he's only maybe 43 at this point. He's kind of been out of the game a couple of years. But, uh, you know, because, oh, I wish, you know, Sam was still racing. I'm like, here's a guy who 
made a good amount of money in racing and was smart enough to invest it wisely enough that he really doesn't have to work and he's got enough money to be comfortable, right? So and he's perfectly content being a full-time dad to his daughters, you know, and a family man. And he, he, he does things like a substitute teaches. He helps build uh, sets for plays at the high school and stuff where his kids go to school. So, and, and here's a man who is just happy with that life and doesn't have that itch to get in the race car all the time. And occasionally he does every now and again, jumping in an Xfinity car, but it, it's, you know, more often the exception rather than, than the rule. These guys that, that say yeah. they're going to say they're going to retire. And then, you know, you know, it's like kiss, right? Kiss had their first farewell oh, tour Rick in what? Flair. 2000, right? So, or yeah. Rick Flair. Yeah, yeah. So like he had like his farewell tour this year, but he still wants to do it, even though he shouldn't because he could probably end up like Randy to Ram in the movie wrestler. Yeah, yeah. How how old is Ric Flair in his day and age? I you know seventy three, seventy four. I was gonna say yeah. He's he's got to be a little old to be throwing his body around the wrestling ring. I'll say that. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. anyway, we'll save that for our wrestling podcast. Um, but but the more <laughs> yeah, I know the moral story is it is some drivers have a hard time adapting. Sometimes you don't have a choice, and then ultimately you'll realize that it's for the best. And I think in the in this case. It might be for Kurt. It, what will be a shame, though, is we probably won't have him see him do versatile types of racing because when he signed that, re, when he renewed his contract in 2019 with Ganassi before he went to 2311, there was that spark that maybe maybe he'll run Indy. Obviously, that was 2019 before the pandemic and before everything that has went down since then. There were it was possible. I feel like this retirement. We'll probably never get to see him run different types of disciplines. Maybe a one-off or two, but I think competitively, like where he is right now, I feel like we won't. It was just a shame because it felt like Kurt was one of the very few that did it all in types in North America competition. Yes, yeah, but but again, I, I believe a Kurt still has a lot he can contribute to the sport in the future. You know, even if he's not behind the wheel. So, but, but we wish Kurt well. And that, that announcement is forthcoming. And we don't know all the details of it yet until they, they come out and tell us the details. We don't know if he's going to do a farewell race or what. But, uh, uh, but, but again, that's a guy that, that we've enjoyed watching, you know, race over the years. So, anyway, so let's, uh, let's move on and talk about the Formula One where we were in Japan where we generally expect rain and we got it. <laughs> got a very very wet track um i mean at the end of the day it was verstappen winning the race um and there was some confusion over how the points were awarded because the race did not go the full distance it went about 52 percent of the scheduled laps right which under the fia's new rule that they came up with after spa last year was that they would be uh, you know, a different the points will be weighted. You know, if you're less than 25%, you're getting this less than 50%, less than 75%, and then anything less than you know, 75% or more would get you to full points. But they ran less than 75, so people were feeling first off, it should have gotten 19 points and still been one shy of the championship. But the FIA clarified the rule. If I understand it correctly, the weighted points only apply to 
races that are stopped and not able to be resumed. Now, the Japanese Grand Prix uh, ended up being a timed race, so it went its full Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Why do dry January when you could do sweaty January? Right now, get up to $500 off Peloton Tread Packages. Take your training to the next level with accessories like a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, yoga mat, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Tread Basics Package. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Time, if not its full distance. Now, Richard, did I get that right? Oh, sure, sure. I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's a time race for the second straight Grand Prix in a row. And I think it's barely went over 50% race distance in terms of laps. Correct, correct. But in terms of time, it, it went it's allotted time. So yeah. they awarded full points. Uh, but I mean, it's, I mean, if Max didn't clinch it this week, he'd have clinch it next week. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? So, but uh, oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, but, but good job to Max for stopping and the Red Bull team this year. Uh, there yeah. are no, uh, no question marks or asterisks on this champion or not. He was uh, spending that money wisely. Well, hey, yeah, yeah, that's uh, for 2021, which uh, I've let's just say this Grand Prix felt really weird and awkward in terms of the the legality and the technical rules with this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, and as far as just performance behind the wheel, budget caps aside, uh, you know, there's no, uh, you know, the last one was tainted a little bit by uh, officiating and, and, and whether or not they should have. And that was all last year, but um, yeah. So uh, two time champion now. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this the other day. That more often than not, when a guy becomes a champion, they they win multiple championships, right? There's only been a couple of really one-time champions of recent vintage, one being Rosberg, who retired immediately after winning the championship. And the other two would be uh, Kimmy and then, um, I guess, I guess Button. Well, Button more recently than Mansell. Yeah. Yeah, Mansell, another guy walked away from the sport immediately after winning it. But, but, you know, it it used to be if you, if you want the first guy to win three was Jack Brabham, right? No, the first guy to win three was Fangio, but he won five. Yeah, I was thinking more if Fangio was a totally different vintage and era, (laughs) there was, uh, there was this class of the field right there for, for, you know, four years running, uh, unlike, Hamilton <laughs> or Schumacher in the current era. But yeah, it was a similar we have a trend towards more multiple championships. If you think about some of the recent ones, you know what I mean? You got Schumacher, um, Vettel with four, four consecutive, mm-hmm. four consecutive, which is pretty impressive. And then Hamilton with uh he's got the total of seven, but he's got he's got four consecutive, doesn't he? Of those seven, yes, through twenty. Yep, that's four consecutive. Yeah, so that's I mean, that's a heck of a feat. You know, it used to be uh, Jackie Stewart used to say the hardest thing to do was repeat as champion. 
Um, you know, because then his his championships were all separated by by year. He won like every other year through the late sixties and, and mid mid seventies. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's just a sign of the the how we kind of build dynasties with teams. If you look at Mercedes with dominant, but I could see Red Bull being dominant all the way through till the rules change in twenty twenty six. You know, un- unless this budget cap thing really hurts them. So, but Richard, what were your, what were your impressions of the race itself? Uh, the little bit of it we did get. <laughs> the bits that we did get to see. Yeah. I mean, I think firstly, Pirelli and the teams and the FIA need to sit down and see what they can do with these wet weather tires. Um, you know, there was times, yeah, when it did rain very heavily in Japan, of course, and that the, the race should have been, you know, suspended as it was. But then, you know, there's other times where it didn't appear to be raining that hard, and you've got these wet weather tires, and it's just kicking up so much spray that the visibility is very bad. Um, and it, you know, it was almost undrivable. So, but again, it's, it's a vicious circle. You throw up a lot of spray, you can't see what's going on. Uh, you know, you throw up spray, which means the tracks, you know, has got better grip, but the people behind can't see. Or you don't throw up spray, you got less grip, but people can see. It's a very difficult balance. But you know, you remember going, you know, back not too long ago, you know, maybe ten years ago, if you had a wet race, it was absolute carnage. There was people throwing cars off left, right, and centre. Uh, whereas we've just seen two um wet races are arguably two of the most demanding tracks on the calendar from a driver's perspective in Singapore and and uh, Suzuka. And, I mean, science crashed out. You had a couple of guys in in, in Singapore that got a little bit clumsy and, and clipped a wall, but nothing crazy. So these cars are very, very, very drivable in the rain. And I'd almost like to see them less drivable in the rain if it means there's less spray, which means it's safer to, um, to race out there. But... Uh, yeah, it was difficult. I mean, obviously, the safety concerns, you know, in, in any of those situations. And unfortunately, there was marked similarities between this race and the race we saw. I think it was back in 2015 when Jules Bianchi had his crash, which ultimately claimed his life six months later. Um, and we, goodness me, we saw a very, very similar set of circumstances where um, um, Gasly ended up going, uh, going past the tractor that was on the track at almost full racing speed, which was... Um, despite there being a safety car on the track, so you could argue that... But again, almost exactly the same set of circumstances. You know, when Bianchi had his accident, he was trying to catch up with the safety car and uh, lost control and hit the uh, tractor, which was actually off the track in a gravel trap on that day in the um, Dunlop Curve, whereas um, uh, science, the science had his accident between the hairpin and the spoon curve. And... Um, you know, the, the, the tractor was actually on track and because all of the field, the rest of the field had passed behind the safety car, so we were doing a you know reasonably sensible pace. Um, and, and Gasly was coming up at a, a, at a, at a far faster rate. And uh, yeah, goodness me, that, there was a, some flashbacks there. Now, Gasly did get penalised or reprimanded for, for going too fast behind the safety car, which I think there needs to be better communication from the stewards and the officials to say, look, you know, there are guys out there on track, you know, uh, don't, don't go fast. Almost make it so that you know you have to go virtual safety car speed under a full safety car. I I, I don't know, but they certainly need to look at something too. Um, yeah, it, does, it does seem odd that he's running out there. They said I, I, the the penalty report said he was you know exceeding as much as two hundred twenty kilometers an hour. 
Um, under, and, and, you, know? you know, under the safety car in the wet. I'm like, okay, yeah. it doesn't doesn't seem number one really smart, you know. Right. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, well deserved penalty there, but uh, yeah. But as for the actual race, I mean, it was just Verstappen in a league of his own, really. Uh, you know, the car got switched on. He managed his tyres better than Leclerc did and just drove off to a, a second consecutive world championship, which I think, uh, you know, fully deserved. Uh, you know, there's been races this year, the first half of the season, we were hoping that Leclerc would uh, would give him a run for his money. And at times he appeared to do that, but there was just too many mistakes from a combination of the Ferrari uh, team and the and Leclerc himself to to really mount a serious long term challenge uh, and um, yeah you know mistake oh, so Red Bull just didn't make those mistakes and obviously we still do have this cost cap issue lingering uh, in the background and um, it's it, it's going to be a very interesting situation to see where we go forward from here and that there's a lot of pressure on the FIA to get this call right. Um, whether they do or not, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see what they come up with their findings on that. Yeah, I, I like how Red Bull's press release said their minimal amount of uh, overspend. Okay. There's an overspend, though. I, yeah, it's still an overspend. Yeah, what's yeah, minimal amount for you know, Formula One team is more money than you and I will ever see in our lifetime. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you tell that to the yeah. IRS auditor when you get audited for your taxes. Where's a minimal, you know, minimal issue on my tax form? It's okay, isn't it? No? no? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah they'll, they'll come out over, yeah, they'll come after you over 500 bucks. Yeah. IRS, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, and you obviously see how it, it plays out with, because this is, again, this budget cap we're looking at is for last season, which is, you know, coming yeah. on and in the well, in, in the history books, but you got to wonder. You don't know how the manager, you know, obviously there was a lot of, you know, because this year, 2022, was these new set of regulations with the ground effect cars. Um, obviously, a lot of work on developing these cars would have been spent in 2021. So I, I think it does affect this year as well. And it probably affects next year and the year after as well with, you know, not every single part of these cars is redesigned for next, you know, every year. You know, there are at times a number of carryover parts, especially when you have a, a reasonably consistent set of regulations. And, um, you know, the, the design of a new car doesn't start on the 1st of January of the year it's, comp- you know, it's, it's in competition. It probably starts March, April time of the previous year. So... Um, you know, this 2022 car will have been into consideration during this period of, of, of uh, financial irregularity. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot. You know, the FIA must be thinking, you've got to be joking, you know, of all the people to do this. You know, uh, and they've got to set a precedent here, you know. There is no point in having a cost cap if you do not adhere to it. Pure and simple. If if you allow teams to break the cost cap without really being a detrimental penalty to their well-being, then there's no point in doing it. If it, you know, at the end of the day, Red a company like Red Bull has more money than than you can shake a stick at. So if you turn around and said, "Okay, well you've overspent by three million, we're going to fine you ten million," they're going to be like, oh, "Okay." Yeah, that's fair. Cool. I'll overspend by three million next year, and I'll just give you the ten million. I'll run it now. 
Shall I post date it for next year? Yeah, good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got to find a way to, fin- to exploit it. Yeah. There got to be some points involved. To be honest with you. Yeah, but the thing is that these audits don't take place till after the season is over, and I really, I'm not a fan of you know, redistributing points after a season is over and done. Right? No, but, so I think you but, do. But, but to, to your point, yeah, I mean, you've talked about taking away test days um, and or practice sessions and those sort of things. But it's actually, you know, that's that's pretty reasonable. That can, you know, that that that, that can that can hurt the team a bit and not you know, make it such an easy penalty. They just write a yeah. check, check to get out. Uh, of. I, I mean, I, I think that it would be reasonable to say Red Bull starts the 2023 season uh, on minus hundred points. And the drivers both start on minus 25 or whatever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they'll still be in the top one or two in the championship, but it could be that that overspent does cost them the world championship. Um, yeah. And that would be a yeah, that'll be detrimental to the well-being of the team going forward. So if you make if you have an overspend one year, then two years later you will pay the price for it, and that's a risk that the teams have got to take. You know, it's it's like some of these it's like some of these basketball games where they deliberately give away fouls to stop the opposition scoring three pointers. You know, it's it's you know you got to try and avoid that situation of them manipulating the results here a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that can be done, but yeah, but what's the what's the right answer again? Like you say, the FI has to has to, to tread carefully because at the end of the day, what what they want is the teams to adhere to the rules of their own you know, volition rather than trying to find a way out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And and we've seen them done it before where they strip or exclude points. I mean, in some ways, like the former racing point where pretty much it's the same team, but different administrative, they pretty much whitewash all their points away. Albeit that's a different circumstance, but at the, at the same time, they've done it before. They just do it in a more harsher way than, than in previous years with like with Tyrrell or McLaren with the, with the car, with the what was what was Tyrrell Turbo related? Where they got stripped from the World Championship? Oh, they got banned for a couple of races there, didn't they? Yeah, and then there's obviously Spygate. I feel like this one should be on par as punishable to in some extent. But I do agree with the idea, like maybe not let them test or practice for a good number of Grand Prix. But I feel like a points deduction is the best thing they could do as well in this scenario because. You surpass it, you surpass it. But the question remains, what about Aston Martin? I feel like they should get a light penalty for it, too. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you, too, could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a well, sure, yeah, because they're they're also guilty of going over the cost cap, from what yeah. I understand. So, uh, well, Aston Martin yeah. apparently was a, a filing irregularity. Okay, uh, mm. rather than actually they were, they were under the budget, but they didn't file the papers in the appropriate mm. manner, as Williams didn't either. Now we all knew about that in the start of the year when Williams openly admitted that they made a mistake, so they haven't been issued the certificate of compliance yet. 
but I think for the Williams, they've paid their fine, and that's just a you know a, a yeah. matter of course. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, like, they, yeah. They were upfront with it. They said, "Oops." Yeah, I think a fine for them would be good. At points in that regard, you can toy it, but very minimal at best if you want to, because they're at fault. But if it's just a filing thing, then a fine will do. Yeah, and again, like I said, I'm not a fan of going back and changing results from the previous year. Like, like you know, you, you see this in like NCAA sports sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. where where a team has some sort of another scandal, like uh, like they had in Louisville a couple of years, and then they they have to vacate the championship. Well, they still won the damn thing, right? Yeah, but they they don't give that championship to the team that that lost the game. It just mm-hmm. vacate the championship, which I, I mean. It just looks hollow in the in the record books here when everybody will say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Louisville won the game. It just, they don't, they had to, yeah. give, they had to give the trophy back or whatever, you know? Yeah, we've seen so, it with I USC mean, football and even Reggie Bush to the point that he had to give up his Heisman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's difficult as well because you say that, oh, you know, the driver shouldn't be penalized for the team's oversight. But at the end of the day, the driver's the one driving the damn car. And he's the one that's benefiting from them overspending and developing a car. It's not like they went and spent the money on flowers. You know, yeah. they spent it on developing a Formula One car that Max Verstappen used to win a world championship. And, and you know, Hamilton is right. A lot of the other teams are right when they say, well, if you if we'd spent another $5 million, um, you know, um, you know, you, we could have been closer to, to you know, to Mercedes or to sorry to Red Bull, you know Hamilton may have won that championship. You know if if they'd spent that extra five million, so it certainly does leave a very very bitter taste in the mouth. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like I said, again, no easy answer, but we'll just have to see how the FIA moves forward with that. So, all right, well, we got a couple of minutes left. So, I mean, what else? What other other topics we have hanging out out there? Where Cole are we Custer. are? Where? All right, Cole Custer, go ahead. Yeah, he got uh, some sort of a, a penalty, right? Yeah, well, how and here's how what the problem was. What Cole Custer is that they found evidence in this radio that the crew members would tell Custer that he had a flat tire and to back it down. Lo and behold, he backed it down right in front of uh, where Austin Dillon is, and they, that really slowed Custer and Dillon down to the point that Chase Briscoe, who that Scott Miller said at that point he was already in, so it didn't really necessarily affect the final cutoff position. Went by the chicane, no problem. But they found enough evidence that Cole Custer was not running at 100%. He manipulated the the result that kind of propelled Briscoe to make the playoffs over Kyle Larson. And Mike Shiplett is indefinitely suspended. $100,000 fine. 50 driver owner points for Custer. Not that it matters for Custer anyway, since he's one of the bottom tier drivers of, of the full-time category. But it's very demoralizing and also proves the point that time and time again, it's like the rule is there. you got to compete at 100%. If you don't compete at 100%, you will be punished. Um, what? So are we are saying, you, is we saying he didn't have a flat tire? Correct. No. Okay. He, okay. All right. They Just found look, evidence. I want to clarify who that. that uh, yeah. You remember who, who was that driver back in the right, right, 2013, 14 that had the itchy elbow or whatever? Clint Boyer. Yeah, was that was with MWR? Yeah, spin gate where they penalized everybody, including Brian Vickers, who wasn't even competing for cup points. Yeah, I think Michael. Yeah, Michael Walsher was setting records for penalties back when he was running a team. Yeah, two of them. Because he had the one with the fuel, right? 
Yep, the jet and then, fuel. And then the spin gate, yeah. So yeah, it's good good thing he's uh yeah, what, what does he do now? Run a run a brewery, right? Yeah, run brewery Ooh. calls races on Fox yeah, in the yeah. Trek series. So I think he's doing he's doing okay, but yeah, that it was a weird time period. But yeah, it's just this stuff you just cannot do. And 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 the in the brief presser, Scott Miller also brought up that the idea of suspending Custer was tossed around, but they wanted to stick to a precedent where we're not going to just suspend a driver if it, if it if Custer didn't like in lamest terms didn't cause harm to the competition, like taking somebody out on purpose where it could have hurt drivers like a Kyle Bush, Ron Hornaday ordeal. So they op- they were open to the idea, but they didn't find anything to kind of like saw as harmful where somebody got hurt or somebody right. Re- Got it, and it's somebody else's mess that they shouldn't have been. So they just stick to the suspension for Shiplet and SHR are planning to appeal the decision. But the rule stands as expected, and Asker mentioned that whatever penalties the customer may face, it was not going to change the round of eight at all. So did, did okay. Let me let me ask you this now, okay? Yes. Did the customer know his tire wasn't flat? You, you said the crew chief told him his tire was flat. He should slow radio down. Radio communication said like a flat, flat tire, flat. Told Custer flat tire may have a flat tire and to slow it, slow it down. And as soon as they kind of gave the relay the message to slow it down, Dylan was behind him and a boom, Briscoe flew out of nowhere to get by. Ah, okay. All right. So I'm just yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around uh, if if Cole Custer, I mean if they were selling him a, a load of shit, telling him that the tire was flat when it wasn't, or if he was kind of really in on the whole thing and knew what he was doing. So I, I don't well, know. Yeah, I think it's more yeah, less because Briscoe was behind it, gave him more position to assure him in the playoffs. Similar, right, right, yeah. Sort of spin gate, but not spin gate where there's like multiple parts, just only the 41 directly in on it to help the 14. And I'm sure we'll know more, if at all, during probably the bullpens at Las Vegas when the guys like Bob tweets about it or posts on Twitter. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Somebody will, somebody will have an answer to that. So, all right. So, Richard, you got anything else? I don't think so. No, I think we're looking pretty, pretty quiet going forward. Pretty quiet. Where are we off? A lot next? of season starting to wrap up. Yeah, where are we off next to in Formula One? Uh, we are off to Austin. I was going to say, yeah, I, I know that that's got to be coming up. So we got a week off. Of, uh, yeah, week off, then 23rd of, uh, of October. We're in Austin. I was going to say, that'll be nice and cold. And I remembered it's in Austin, so it won't be. It'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a lovely day. So, yep. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm always looking forward to the Formula One race at uh, Coda. It's a, it's a wonderful track. I, I do like it quite a bit. One of these days I'm going to get there. Not uh, not this month, maybe next year. So, Likewise, hopefully, either NASCAR Formula One or deep in the far end of the abyss, IndyCar, which is a 0.1.01% chance of happening anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think we're going to go back to... <laughs> Unfortunately, They're but awesome. what will happen? Not, not since though, they got their NASCAR date, so yeah. But what will happen is there will be a test in Palm Springs, which coincides with a couple of days before the Bush Clash in LA. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. They've got the new um, or that that it's a club track, um, and I can't forget what it's called. But I, but I took a, I took a look at the track map. It's a pretty interesting it's a great place. Facility, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty neat looking place. Yes, I'm, God, just, I don't know why it's the name uh, of this. Uh, uh, I think it's like Thermal Club. Thermal Club. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Thermal Club. Yeah. Palm Springs, Florida. 
Yeah, so that'll be yeah, that'll be interesting because if you recall when they first started using Barber for spring training, Barber eventually ended up on the schedule. Now is Thermal Club going to end up on the schedule? I it no. doesn't it They're doesn't gonna, yeah, 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 it's, it's not going to be yeah it doesn't right yeah it doesn't look like they have the infrastructure to to take care of a professional event. You can have a similar situation to what happened in, in New Orleans a couple of years trying to make make a club track uh, into a professional racing facility and it just uh, you know it's not going to work but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, see the cars test out there I don't know if the testing will be open to the public or not but it'll probably be televised on Peacock you know so we could at least uh, get a look at how the cars get around there but that yeah that'll be that'll be fun and exciting I'd imagine so if it's like an open test where usually those open tests are kind of open out there. I'm not sure how but compared to like some of the track ones like at Portland. So I'll be curious to see what they do with Thermal Club. But if the cards are played right, it might be it might not be a bad idea to check the facility out considering it's like a two and a half hour drive by LA from there to LA and then it includes traffic. And it it, it so happens to be in the same time, same week as the Bush class. So double dipping may not be a bad idea. But yeah, I, looking at it, it's, it's an interesting facility. But we'll see how it does in terms of testing. Yeah, I mean, it looks like there's enough different kinds of turn there and enough kind of different configurations they can make out of the track that they can get some really good data. Yeah. You know, so. All yeah. right, guys. Well, Oh, you got one more thought there, Louise? Yeah, little slight IndyCar news as well. That, Of course, we talked about last week that Santino Ferrucci is going to be joining AJ Foyt for next season. Now it's all confirmed that Dalton Keller will now be a part of the Foyt organization. So it's just looking like it might be Ferrucci and Ben Peterson in, in the organization at this time. Yeah, I think Larry Foyt had made some comments that he feels like they probably operate better as a two-car operation, which uh, which for them where they're at, it, it's probably two cars is where they need to be at this point in time. I, I think three is ambitious uh, on their budget, and we saw that it really didn't help them this past year. So uh, now Dalton Kellett, for his part, he says he has nothing solid to announce for 2023. I mean, if he's still got the, the K-line money coming from daddy, he, he may end up somewhere. Um, but, uh, but, but again, here's a guy of, you know, I don't, I hate to crack an any race car driver because they're, they're all better than, than you or I, but uh, you know, you know, Kellett was unremarkable in Indy lights, honestly, you know, he did like four or five years of Indy Lights, and, you know, he finished seventh out of eight cars competing and tenth out of 12 cars competing, uh, you know, uh, and then ends up in IndyCar. And he's had a couple of flashes of a good run here and there, but overall, his, his career has been unremarkable. And it just, it, it just stinks of that, you know, rich kid on daddy's money just living out his dreams uh, when he's really you know, never going to be a top tier talent. So, yeah, I, I mean, and, and again, I, I hate to put it that way because, you know, I got a chance to talk to Kellen and he's a real nice fella, a real nice guy. But, yeah, he's not uh, he's not the elite talent that when you look at uh, how deep the field is in, uh, in IndyCar and he's just a little, uh, you know, little little too far in the deep end, if you ask me. So. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's like, what rides are there available? 
in terms of there's not a whole lot. The only big one that stands out is the 78 car, which I said before, they should probably look for a veteran driver for that one to kind of build the team around them. And on top of that, how I had Kyle Mylod in his sophomore year to get even better. He had a pretty good rookie season, just reliability and other things just kind of got in the way. And I felt like maybe that's a decent spot, but who knows? But as far as Kelly, he's gotten better over time, like you mentioned. It's one of the few that I've spoken outside of outside of like the whole bullpen and all that and I second that as well. And also he can bring some stuff to the table. I mean, he's got like an engineering background and also the kind of wealth of knowledge as far as the ins and out of how a car works and all of that. So I imagine he'll still be around as far as driving. It's kind of a time will tell thing. Yeah. And again, there's, you know, he can always take his K-line money to IMSA as well. They're always looking for, uh, you know, drivers in IMSA. And, and it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, a lot of guys that, that things don't work out in IndyCar and end up over, over in IMSA. So, all right, then. Well, that's time, guys. So uh, I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts and YouTube. I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out. But until next week, have a good night. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.